here's what's happening. Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. And on today's show, first going to do some news of the day, uh, talk about a recent article put out by Madison.com, kind of explaining what the lack of football season might do to the athletic program in terms of revenue. Uh, It was an interesting article, uh, some tidbits to talk about. On that, we'll talk about a little uh, more names to the watch list. You know, watch list season, kind of like we talked about uh, last episode. We'll talk about uh, some uh, recruiting stuff. And then, of course, we'll touch on the Minnesota Big Ten West co-champ rings. Not really any news on that, just an opportunity for Matt and I to make fun of it and laugh. (laughs) And then in the back of the show... Uh, we're going to have 2022 four-star prospect Isaac Ham out of Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, on the show. Uh, we, there's been a lot of talk about this Super Six uh, in the class of 2022. I believe this will be our fourth member of the six. We'll have to get the other two and try and get them on, uh, try and collect all six of the guys on the appearance for Bucky's fifth podcast. We'll have an interview with him similar to a, a normal-style episode for you guys as you head into your weekend. Matt, how you doing today? Doing great. A lot of a lot of news going on uh, everywhere. Just obviously the the Minnesota thing was one, but then some some talk of Deacon Hill and and Jerry Cross. So there's a lot of moving pieces right now in in Badger land, especially when it's getting to be crunch time here with with uh, fall camp hopefully starting up early August. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, certainly. Hopefully is the uh, uh, good thing. I know there was some news about that uh, kind of coming out today about when uh, some guys were reporting, things like that. And, of course, uh, the big news that we'll touch on in a little bit here will be that uh, the revenue stuff in terms of the athletic program. But lots of stuff to get to, lots to talk about, and I think uh, the listeners will really enjoy this interview as we get into it. So uh, with all that news to cover, do you want to hop into our news of the day? Let's do this. Here's what's happening. All right, Badger fans, so the first thing that we're going to talk about is what we've kind of already touched on already, and there was an article from Madison.com which essentially reported that the Wisconsin Athletic Department's revenue hit because of coronavirus could surpass $100 million if we proceed without a football season. Uh, And reading through the article, it stated they kind of already are planning for a best-case scenario, and I say best-case with air quotes because uh, in the best case scenario, they're planning for at least a sixty or sixty million dollar hit. So, best case scenario is that you're losing sixty million dollars. So, already things kind of uh, in work and in play here, but uh, definitely a big number that we've seen some other colleges kind of put out. We know that football is the lifeblood for a lot of these athletic programs. You make your money in football. You make your money in basketball. Some schools you can drive. You know, Wisconsin does a good job driving some revenue with volleyball. Some schools kind of make up some stuff with baseball and ticket sales there that way. But for 
the the majority across the country, football is the the driver that uh, kind of pulls the cart in a lot of ways. In Wisconsin, there's no difference there. Uh, would really make a big impact and a big dent uh, should the football season get canceled. Now, of course, of course, we're not there yet, but there's been people that think there will. You know, this will kind of happen. There'll be people that think. Things might get moved, so it's it's definitely uh, noteworthy when you see it on you know a local scale like Wisconsin. So, uh, Matt, did you get a chance to read that article, and what did you kind of think of of the ins and outs of that? Yeah, I saw uh, Todd Maluski. He wrote it up uh, and did a really good job of talking through it with UW. Uh, he usually covers hockey, but in this case, just talk, looking at the athletic department as a whole. I mean, that's a, that's a really shocking number, but, it, but really when you think about it, uh, most likely if there is any semblance of a season, you're going to be looking at not as many fans or no fans in the stadiums. You're not going to be looking at concessions. So that's tickets, concessions, um, and different things that all go with uh, a, a game atmosphere being at Camp Randall. And so I think it's, it makes sense that there wouldn't be um, nearly as much revenue brought in. Obviously. Television will will be the their saving grace if they're able to put on a season, and they'll be able to recoup some of that. But but really, I think it was a, a good article and kind of highlights really what's at stake for colleges across the country as they're trying to figure out what's the best way to navigate this to keep players healthy, but also understanding that there are huge ramifications from uh, what happens if there is not a football season. Yeah, and I like what you know what Barry Alvarez said in the article is that you know of, of course his top priority is being able to look families and parents in the eye and say that their children are safe, uh, you know, playing athletics at Wisconsin, which I thought was a good thing to say because of course the money is a concern for a lot of people that are on the athletic department. How could it not be when you think of numbers in that figure? But I think the even bigger concern for uh, you know Barry Alvarez, the rest of the athletic department, is keeping these kids and, and players and, and families and everyone around it safe. So I know we're we're kind of prefaced it by saying that the money is of course concerned, but there are bigger things to worry about. But it's definitely going to be something that has huge implications, and of course the main implication that you're going to have in this is. On the surface level, there won't be a football season if, if it comes to that, and, and that would be a problem. But what if you you know going beyond that, there's there's going to be ripple effects for the future as you move forward without this revenue. You know how do you replace that? Do you have to make cuts? I know some schools have had to cut or plan to cut some programs, uh, or you know they had to dip into kind of reserve funds. So what do you think are are going to be some things that beyond the surface level of not having football? are going to be things that might be impacted by this. Yeah, I think there's a huge ripple effect from uh, from no football if that was to be something that happened. Obviously, a lot of the, the other sports are really predicated on the fact that there is a football season, uh, allowing to make sure that those jerseys, uh, those games happen because there isn't necessarily the revenue being brought in from uh, certain sports, you know, like the, the diving team isn't bringing in a whole heap of money, but it, that doesn't mean that that pool doesn't have to be still world-class. That doesn't mean that uh, there doesn't have to be gear and things for and, and in place for athletes. Uh, in addition, there's there's uh, staff members that are, you know, we've seen a lot of cuts within UW and furloughs and in different work share programs happening because of, 
this that that is livelihoods of people who are working in the athletic department uh, and that we, people we have met people we have talked to um, it also has a huge effect on just the university in general Wisconsin uses football as a way to recruit not only for sports but just to the general school as as a whole, so that there's player people from Minnesota, Illinois, uh, East Coast, West Coast, um, the South, and internationally who want to come Badgers because of what they see on the football field. They see them in the Rose Bowl. They see the successes. So I, I think it's it's huge across a lot of different avenues. But really, the big thing is going to be the implication on the athletic department having to dip into reserve funds, having to make sure that. There might have to be cuts, making it so that there might not be um, nearly as much wiggle room in, in budgets, and, and that is, is tough for um, different staffs, whether it be the football staff, but it also trickles down to the softball team, to, like I said, the swimming and diving team, or the wrestling team. All of those are impacted just as greatly and the university as a whole. Yeah, I think you make a good point. I mean, you look at the assistant coaches across the country, you know, at the football level, Wisconsin doesn't always divvy out a lot of money for assistants anyway. So if you're not divvying out a lot of money for the assistant football coaches, uh, you know, that have been poached off to other programs because of, you know, pay raises, things like that, when you go down the scale even more, uh, that can be an even, even bigger impact. So definitely a lot of tough decisions that are probably going to come beyond of course, deciding to have a football season, uh, you know, these, these athletic departments are going to have to make some tough decisions and to try and recoup and, and find ways to, uh, you know, use that money because it's not like the money is just getting profited and put away. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's money that gets, you know, raised from ticket sales, from revenue, merchandise, all that, and kind of gets, you know, it, it doesn't just sit there. It gets shuffled off to different areas to pay for certain things. So it's money that's definitely needed and something that they're going to have to look for as we go forward. Uh, and the last point of that article, which I found interesting, was that Barry Alvarez stated he would be willing to hear proposals of a spring season. Now, I know the Big Ten right now has decided to do a conference-only schedule, and I think that's the plan that they're going with right now. But there's no doubt in my mind that behind closed doors, there's other conversations and clearly, you know, Barry Alvarez, uh, of course, wants the players to be safe first, but it sounds like him and, and probably other Big Ten uh, directors really are looking for some sort of football because you want to recoup that money. So what did you make of that little tidbit? Because at first, you know, I, I see Barry Alvarez as kind of a football traditionalist, but at the same time he seems like a pretty smart guy where he's he's willing to do whatever he can to have football and, and drive that revenue in any way. Yeah, I think I, one thing that's very true about Barry is that he's he's usually very transparent. He he's gonna tell you how he is feeling, uh, things that are on his mind, and that is probably how that came to be. Uh, I I think if you're not having those internal discussions, if you're not open-minded about that as a possibility that there would be a spring season, that you're completely closing the door on a season altogether if things don't go perfectly as scheduled in the fall. Right now, the the move to uh, a conference only to start, it makes a lot of sense. gives flexibility for the fall. However, if fall becomes uh, a space that can't happen, you still have the spring. Whereas if it was shut down right now and you say, hey, we're going spring, you lose any possibility, any leeway for the fall. So I think that is a last resort for places and for um, departments. But at the same time, I think at, at this juncture, if it's not a realistic 
thought that, hey, we could be playing in the spring. We need to make sure that we're modeling this out, making sure that we have a plan in place. Um, I, I think you're just uh, burying your head in the sand, and, and that's not at all anything that I would anticipate going on between Barry Alvarez and Chris McIntosh at the head of the athletic department. It's just I can't imagine that happening. It's, it's one of those things where you're looking at huge dollar signs. Um, you're looking at potentially losing out opportunities for players to play football. Um, they only get four or five years of eligibility to have that. Their time is ticking immediately the second they step on campus, and they want to play the games. Staffs want to play the games. Um, there's a lot riding on it. So if you're not at all open to it, I think you're – you know, you're not at all really wanting a season at that point because you need to exhaust all options, and I think that's what Barry's doing. Is he's saying, "Hey, if it comes to that point, I'm I'm all ears. Let me know." Yeah, exactly. And of course, it comes back to you're going to need more programs than just Wisconsin to agree to that. You're going to need probably the entire Big Ten conference to agree to it, so you can do a conference-only schedule in the spring. Maybe by then things are better. You can have limited capacity of fans, who knows. And, uh, of course, it's something that would be hard to figure out. There's going to be a lot of details to iron out. But at the same time, they've, they've, they would buy themselves some more time to move that to football and, and give them. Now, you could say, well, they had plenty of time to kind of see this coming uh, for the fall to come up with a plan and the NCAA and, and people around the country kind of put – I don't think they ever put it off. I think there's always been discussions, but – it seemed to the fans, you know, you and I and then people listening that, you know, college football was just hoping and planning to be going off without a hitch. And then now we're into late July and it's clear that that's not going to happen. But uh, spring football at least gives you maybe some time and, and it's something that you can kind of figure out. As I was definitely interested to see that uh, Barry Alvarez was certainly interested in that. And, and hopefully if you can't do a fall season, which, I, I don't know where I stand on that right now in terms of believing. I'm not super confident. Uh, I think a, a spring football season would be uh, something that they could hopefully work out. But at the same time, I know there's a lot of ins and outs uh, that go into that. But certainly interesting to see, you know, how this all kind of shakes out with guys, you know, getting ready to get onto campus and, and get working as uh, for a fall camp here soon. Yeah, I think as of right now, I think – all systems are go that the the UW is treating it like, hey, on August sixth, camp is going to camp is going to start, and we're going to go from there. We'll figure it out from uh, after that because that's what the NCAA is allowing in terms of practices. If if it comes about in um, September or late August or October that there's not going to be college football in the fall, I think that leaves multiple months for for um, the NCAA, the Big Ten, the SEC, the powers that be across the country to come together and say, hey, let's figure it out and let's piece together what a spring season would look like. So there's plenty of time for that. It's it's just one of those things that it's it's you're going to hear this more often by athletic directors in the coming months as it's basically they're going to be open to more ideas um, just to try to make sure that those huge dollar signs are met as well as the, the way in which players can be safe and also get their season in there, get the games in that they want to be able to play as well. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, the closer they get, the more uh, these conversations will probably start popping up. All right, our next piece of news, continuing on watch list season, Cole Van Lannan named to the Outland Trophy watch list and Eric Burrell named to the Nagurski watch list, which is your top defensive player. 
of the year. Both guys, again, you know, we talked about Eric Burrell last uh, episode being named to a list, and Cole Van Lannan is certainly a guy that you expected to be on all these watch lists. He's uh, you know a premier offensive lineman in the country. A lot of a lot of attention put to him already uh, in terms of playing at the next level and coming back. Uh, for this season will be a, a strong player that the Badgers will lean on, similar to Burrell. But what did you make of both of those guys getting uh, some some preseason nods that way? Definitely earned. Both players are, have made a really nice name for themselves, have been kind of key contributors for multiple years. You look at it, both of them were, were playing quite a bit as sophomores, not necessarily as the full-time starter last year as, as juniors. They've really kind of flourished in a full-time role. Van Lannan kind of dealt with some injuries that, that limited him in some games, but Burrell, I thought, was, was phenomenal in what he did. Um, so I think both guys totally deserving of, of this recognition. I think Cole Van Lannan is, is going to have a hard time winning that award because of Penny Sewell at mm-hmm. Oregon, who won it last year. Uh, but at the same time, you, you think Outland Trophy, Wisconsin's had two of them in the past with Joe Thomas and Gabe Karimi. It would be really cool to see Cole Van Lannan etch his name into history too. So anytime that's a Badger offensive lineman, you got a shot uh, to, to take home some hardware. And it's really cool to see Burrell um, kind of shifting the narrative of Wisconsin safeties because Badgers haven't necessarily had a, um, a, a safety that's really – been on a lot of these watch lists going into the year. Dakota Dixon, um, really solid safety, got a lot of recognition as well, but not necessarily the same amount of hype as what Burrell has had um, going into his now senior season. Yeah, both guys are are definitely deserving, and I'm uh, looking forward to kind of what they'll bring to the table, and uh, hopefully they can, you know, contend for these awards. It's going to be hard to uh, knock off some big names, like you said, uh, especially for Cole Van Lannan. But at the same time, it's nice to see them get that preseason nod and, and preseason praise as they get closer to the college football season. All right, our next piece of news is some recruiting uh, news. Deacon Pia Hill, uh, four-star quarterback out of Santa Barbara, California. Uh, he's been on the podcast before. Uh, the last episode we talked about the high school football for California being pushed back to January. There's been some players that have decided to opt out of that season, go ahead, graduate in December, and then early enroll uh, at their future colleges. Deacon Pia Hill will not be one of those players. He said uh, via Twitter he will be staying home, finishing, uh, basically finishing out his senior season with his teammates, which uh, I applaud. I know a lot of kids, uh, it's a hard decision to make. Of course, as a kid, you want to play your high school football season. You want to play with your teammates that you've kind of grown up with. But at the same time, you've got a collegiate offer. You've got to, you know, sometimes think about, you know, yourselves in a, in a you know, closed loop kind of way. So uh, I definitely applaud him for that. And then he also picked up a offer from UCLA. Uh, the Badgers have had to, you know, they're going to have to fend off. They've had to fend off, uh, you know, other pursuits from other colleges on a lot of uh, – Quarterbacks, you know, you think of Graham Mertz, everybody was pushing hard after him, uh, but they were able to, you know, retain him. Same thing's kind of going on here with Deacon Hill, uh, you know, from UCLA, a Santa Barbara kid, so nice and close. But what did you make of uh, his situation out in California? Yeah, I mean, I don't envy him having a lot to, to parse through here, a lot of making a lot of decisions at a young age. But I think really the big thing is it makes a lot of sense for him to play out his senior season. I know that there is oftentimes the look of, hey, 
you want to get into the program early, you want to do that. But at the same time, if you look at the depth chart, I, I highly doubt that Hill was going to be your starter next year anyways. He wasn't going to be that guy. He probably wasn't even going to be your in contention to be your backup unless things kind of went haywire just because it looks like you're going to have a – uh, Chase Wolf and Graham Mertz battle for that job anyways. So I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You get extra reps. You get to play that senior year. You He's only had one year that he's been the primary starter. Having in a whole nother year of development as, as the primary signal caller, as a leader of a team, really should – benefit him hugely, uh, especially at, at a high-level school where they are going to be pushing for a state championship. That's a lot of extra games that he can play, and that's a lot more. it's a lot more worth it, in my eyes, to play that senior year, really, really focus on, on your abilities and, and your game, and, and that'll get you ready for the summer to come in and, and be able to, to participate with the Badgers when you really don't know um, how many reps you're going to get in the spring when they're really trying to focus in on making sure that Graham Mertz, Chase Wolf are getting as many reps as humanly possible to get them ready for the season. So I think in that regard, it makes a lot of sense for him. Not to mention, he doesn't need to speed up the timeline. Cali kid, enjoy the process and, and enjoy your teammates. Uh, you only get to be in high school for so long. On the flip side, the the offer from UCLA I think is, is definitely noteworthy. It's We knew that the Badgers were going to have to fight. Uh, anytime you get a four-star kid, there's other programs that are, are trying to get in there, whether it's Deacon Hill, whether it's TJ Bowlers, whoever it might be. So I think – uh, the offer coming in from UCLA is definitely something to look for and to, to watch out for just because it is such a close place. Sisters uh, played there or currently play there, uh, you know, and he's got a lot of ties to the school. It's, it's going to be tough to pry him away from Wisconsin just because of everything that the Badgers have invested in him. You look at they didn't take a quarterback last year. That has everything to do with how much they trust what they have in Graham Mertz and Deacon Hill. It, them going ahead and making sure to accept his offer and put that offer out there way before anybody else. I mean, you look at the offer now from UCLA, it's, it's well over a year later when they're saying, oh yeah, you've, you've uh, gone ahead and worked on your body. You've gone ahead and made, made these things. You're now a four-star kid. Now we'll offer you and bring you in with another four-star quarterback. The Badgers saying you're our guy. You have been our guy. That hasn't changed. So, I think there is. It's definitely alarming. It's definitely perks the ears. But at the same time, if if it takes a late offer from UCLA to and he's he's gone. He 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 was waiting for that the whole time, and that's nothing Wisconsin could have done. So I think it's definitely something to monitor. But right now, I think the Badgers are in a good spot. He's all everything Badger online right now still. So unless there is um, a shift here sometime soon, I think the Badgers are in, are in an okay place and, and should continue to be in one. Yeah, I think that's a great point in terms of the offer. You know, if if this next week you saw something where there was rumblings or if he, you know, uh, you would make a decommitment or anything like that, then, you know, like you kind of said, maybe that's the offer that he was waiting for the whole time. And then, then you know, you've played all your cards. There's nothing you can really do. It's, you know, there's, there's situations like that happens where a kid has committed and they get their, their dream offer, their dream school, and, and decommit and go there. You've seen it, you know. We've put out recruiting and, uh, you know, returner profiles for all these players on Bucky'sFifthQuarter.com, and, you know, out of 
the ones that I've written, there's so many situations where, you know, a kid is committed to maybe, uh, you know, a Mac school in a smaller scale, uh, and then they get that offer from Wisconsin, and it's like a day later they've, you know, made their decommitment and announced their commitment to Wisconsin. I probably had a handful of those looking back at some of these guys' recruitments. And uh, on a larger scale with these four-star kids, sometimes that happens, but uh, I, I don't foresee it right now. Uh, Deacon Hill has, has been very much Wisconsin. Uh, very proud and, and vocal and, and you know, recruiting guys and, and getting out and uh, things like that. So I think uh, as for now, it's, it's definitely something that is still in the Badgers' favor, but something to definitely keep an eye on as we go forward. And then I think it just shows that you know, Wisconsin did their homework and, and offered a, a player of his caliber early, and that is something that you see a lot with the Badgers. They go out and they uh, do the due diligence to kind of – get after these players, and I think, uh, you know, some schools maybe sit back and kind of uh, hop on it because Wisconsin's on it. You see that a, a good amount of times, but just more of a compliment to the recruiting staff than now some other programs are starting to pay attention. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I thought you did a really good job of just laying it out that this isn't the first time, mm-hmm. it, it, and it's just it's more indicative of, hey, there's a really talented kid that the Badgers landed early on. You can't live in fear by saying, well, we're, we're not going to offer this kid because he, he really has grown up wanting to go to UCLA his whole life. If you live in that fear, you're, you're never going to get the top prospects that you want and that you need to build your program to be. You look at a kid like Joe Titman, four-star offensive mm-hmm. lineman out of yep. Indiana, wrote up that profile that's dropping tomorrow. And he was a kid who committed the Badgers early, similar to Deacon Hill. Later on, started having Notre Dame come in and knocking on his door. In-state school, prestigious school from right down the road from him. And he said, thanks, but no thanks, and stuck with Wisconsin. It's one of those things where it, you never know how it's going to go. Now, and Deacon is going to make the decision that's best for him, and I think everybody just needs to understand that and, and roll with it because that's really how the recruiting game works, and it's just, you know, it's the nature of the beast. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. All right, we'll hop over to our next news story. This one more so of a fun one, uh, but Minnesota football handed out their Outback Bowl season rings. Uh, they, they won that game, uh, the Outback Bowl over Auburn. Uh, but the funny part of that was that the Big Ten West co-camp, co-champion trophy was uh, kind of etched into the ring, which, of course, if you follow Bucky Smith Quarter on Twitter, uh, it's been quite a parade of laughs uh, about that. But what did you make of that? It's it's right up P.J. Fleck and Minnesota's alley to, to do something like that, and I know – the Big Ten rules state that they were co-champs, but if you get blown out on your home field uh, in a rivalry game and lose the axe, I I don't think Wisconsin would be doing the same thing. Rolls reverse. So what did you make of that funny story um, from uh, P.J. Fleck and uh, the row the boaters? Yeah, that's like the least surprising (laughs) crap to ever come out of Minnesota. I, I just... It, it's just such a head scratcher that like how I'm how people can be like just pounding the table with excitement over that when you know I I get that you get an Outback Bowl ring when you win you get the Outback Bowl ring but it's not like the Outback Bowl designed this for them this is Minnesota or PJ Fleck or whoever within the program designed this ring and added those pieces in there to personally make those touches. I, I just thought it was hilarious that to have 
college game day on there, like, oh, my God, you got on national TV and it's like the world's blowing up around you. Uh, then to go ahead and put in uh, a consolation prize, you didn't see the Badgers going ahead and announcing that they're going to have rings that they're going to put on there that they were leading Ohio State at halftime of the Big Ten Championship. Like, that is the most beta stuff I've ever seen in my life. And I know that there is a lot of Gopher fans who look at it and, and thought, like, oh, my gosh, like, really, that's cheesy, that's stupid. But, like, my goodness, for, for the just the self-indulgement of, of P.J. Fleck to think that that's what they need on, on there and to, to think that that's what um, is, is the, the pinnacle of what they should be succeeding over is, is just it's a mockery of, of winning the Big Ten when you just clearly got beaten. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like the way you, you know, the way you kind of said that. And I, I think, you know, maybe that's something, maybe that's what Minnesota needs to, to really, you know, go out on the recruiting trail. Uh, of course, not in person right now, but to be able to show that, you know, despite you lost that game, you were Big Ten West co-champs. And maybe that'll pry away these three and four star kids in the Midwest when they see that. But, you know, I, it really is kind of silly to, to, to do something like that, and, and I don't say that just as a Wisconsin fan, uh, you know, with, with disdain towards Minnesota. I would say if the Badgers did that, that's something that I would look at it and be like, what are what are the Badgers doing? That would be embarrassing as, a, as myself as a fan. Maybe other fans out there would be prideful in that. You know, I personally uh, don't expect many of you to be uh, honored by losing that game in, in the fashion that they lost it to. It's not like it was uh, – you know, a last-second field goal, and even then it wouldn't make sense. But to just get blown out and beaten uh, on your home field in that environment was uh, tough to say the least. So to, you know, kind of hang your hat as a Big Ten West co-champ, at least for me, I would be a little embarrassed of my uh, college program, you know, doing something like that. But to each their own, maybe that's uh, what P.J. Fleck needs to kind of build this program up. Yeah, I just I, – I, I have a hard time just – saying, oh, yeah, that's that's what I would hope for my team that I root for. I would just – I would never want that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's essentially like playing your older brother in a pickup game of basketball, getting beaten really badly, and the score is kept. And then when you get home, you tell your mom that you tied, and your brother and your sister, <laughs> who is also there, is like, no, you didn't. And your mom just is like – placates you and gives you a big hug and says of course you tied you know like that's that's just that's what I look at that as and it's it's just silly in my eyes and I don't I have a hard time understanding you know being excited over that I understand the ring and every a lot of the other pieces on there but being excited for just saying hey we got on national television and this happened and we by default, by technicality, uh, didn't didn't have to play Ohio State and got a ring. That's stupid. I I would agree. I, I think it was very laughable, and I've had a, a good time chuckling at seeing those rings. And I know uh, our Bucky's fifth quarter Twitter account, uh, whoever was tweeting that, I don't know if it was you or Drew, but that uh, was we, Drew. that was all Drew. <laughs> I was gonna say that seemed like a Drew tweet for sure. The way they were. Uh, coming out there, but definitely uh, a funny news story for our our rivals out of Minnesota. All right, guys, well, that wraps up our news of the day, so we'll go ahead and uh, knock our ad reads out here, and then we'll get into our interview, like we said, with four-star prospect Isaac Hamm. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on a very special guest, member of the class of 2022, four-star prospect Isaac Ham out of Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, defensive and defensive lineman prospect that the Badgers are very interested. So, Isaac, first off, Thank you for joining us. How are you doing tonight? And uh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing good tonight. I'm like, looking forward to a good conversation here. Perfect. Well, before we get into some recruiting questions, things like that, we always like to start with asking players, you know, kind of about just their game and, and how they feel and, and what are maybe some strengths and things that you're working on. So to start off, what do you feel are, are the strengths of your game as a football player? Um, I would say – for a defensive end, I'm more athletic than the typical D lineman or DM prototype. So I could get up, I could swat a ball, I could get an interception, I could make an easy sack, get a good pass rush. So being more of an athlete, I would say I'm pretty good, pretty good with force production, and I'm a powerful dude. I can get to the ball, and I can just impose my will on an old lineman and really move him and get to where I want to go. So I would say that's what makes me special as a football player. Yeah, those uh, intangibles definitely pop out on your film. Uh, kind of on the flip side, what are some things that you're trying to work on and trying to home your game on? Um, I would say last year I just wasn't as aggressive as I could have been, and I just kind of I tried to be a, too much of a role player and just just kind of fit in. And this year I just want to make sure that I'm not just doing my job, but going above and beyond for the team, and just always always making sure I'm in the right spot at the right time to make a play when my teammates need me. I think that's a great answer. You know, Isaac, with the pandemic going on, uh, I know it's probably been a little weird trying to, you know, stay in shape and and get football ready for, you know, as that time was kind of up in the air. Uh, Where are you currently at and what have you kind of been doing to stay in shape and, uh, you know, keep in shape for football season? Well, so in the start of the pandemic, my gym was closed for several months. So I was fortunate enough to have one of my friends, in fact, uh, another D lineman on my team who's going to be a senior, has a home gym. And so every day we would get in there and get all of our benching, squatting, cleaning. We'd get all that done, get our workouts in for the day. And then we would hit the field with a seven-on-seven for the day or a scrimmage or something like that. And now now my, uh, my town athletic club is open, so I've just been in there every day, make sure I'm getting my lifting done, my field work, and staying season ready. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's about all you can do, and I know that that's been tough for a lot of players. Uh, the Big 8 Conference just made an announcement I'm sure you're aware of this past week to kind of cancel conference schedules for fall sports. Obviously, you play for Sun Prairie, one of the members of the conference. What was your immediate reaction to that news, and, and kind of how are you feeling kind of now, given everything happening with COVID-19? I mean, it was tough for me personally because – I feel like I was just – I was really ready to take head this year and make a statement because last year, I mean, I was I was playing at one probably 190, 200, just kind of getting bullied around sometimes. And so this offseason I really bulked up. I'm about 270 now. I made a name for myself, and I was just ready to go take head this year and make a statement. And now as soon as I seen that got canceled, I was sick. But, I mean, that's the way life goes. You can't change it. So just getting ready for whenever I get to play football next. 
Well, it's certainly impressive uh, gains in the offseason, so we'll be excited to see that you know, on the field when you get that opportunity. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people are excited to see that, and it's definitely disappointing news, but uh, I think it's a good attitude to have the way you're handling it. Uh, you know, As an in-state kid, you're part of that Super 6 in that class of 2022, uh, a lot of in-state talent in that class. Uh, how have you gotten to know some of the other guys in the group, and, and what has it been like to be in a group like that? Because, you know, I saw you uh, tweeting at Jerry Cross today, trying to get some exciting news out of him. So what's it been like to get to know those other guys? Well, I mean, it, it's just, first of all, it's really cool to have somebody, some kids who really understand my struggle of being a student, being an athlete, always being under a microscope, people criticizing me. So, I mean, it, it's just nice to have some dudes that really understand the boat I'm in that I can reach out to, but... We all have a we all got a couple group chats that we stay in on iMessage and Snapchat and we all just we fool around in there, have some serious talk once in a while, but I've gotten really close with those dudes. Carson, Billy, Joe, Braylon and Jerry. They're all really cool dudes, all special individual guys, so I got really close with them over these last couple of months. Yeah, that is that is nice that bond and, and just having somebody that you can uh, you know go back and forth with and, and kind of have a, has a better understanding of what what you're going through on a day-to-day given recruiting and, and sports and school. Uh, you know, Braylon Allen recently announced his commitment to Wisconsin. Now, do, now that he has decided, has he started putting on his recruiting hat and, and getting after you to try to get you to come to Wisconsin? Oh, yeah, for sure. He's heavy on it. And um, I, I we all kind of promise that nothing we say in the group chat will leave the group chat. But I will say for the – for the majority of us in that chat, recruiting is looking uh, pretty good for Wisconsin right now. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> we like to hear that. It's a nice, uh, subtle hint and, and tease for Badger fans who are listening. Um, I know you. Uh, we, we got a little delayed in starting our uh, conversation here tonight because you actually were on the phone uh, with UW a few minutes ago from what you were saying. So what was that call like, and, and how often do you kind of communicate with the Badger staff? Well, I mean, I'll make sure I reach out to the D-line coach, recruiting coordinator, Coach Chris. We, we stay in touch every week, so they're a pretty big priority for me, and we got a really good relationship. And, I mean, this week's call, we had a lot to talk about. First, first and foremost, about me most likely not having a football season this year. So that was pretty big for Coach, and he was just asking how I'm handling that and all, all that going on. But we were also talking about how Braylon committed and – uh, one of our one of our in-state dudes in Milwaukee, Jerry Cross, a wide receiver, how he might be um, a little bit more leaning towards a different college than Wisconsin. And so we were just talking about kind of trying to get him to stay home and just 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 really us six in a state and keeping keeping dudes home or dudes leaving and just what the whole scenario in there is going on. Yeah. So kind of speaking of recruiting. You know, you've gotten to know a lot of those guys, Chris Herring and, and the staff really well. What's been their overall message to you just in general? I mean, they I took a, I took some online visits and some tours and stuff, and they, they really just showed me that I'm, I'm a big priority at the campus and that they want to they wanna do anything to prove to me that I'm going to be valued there and I'm not just going to be a number. And I know that. I know that they think I can fit in really well in that defense and that I can make a special impact there. So they just they just try to prove upon me how much of a valuable piece I'll be in that Wisconsin defense. Yeah, you certainly would be. And, you know, you talked about the online visit. Uh, of course, you know, living in probably only 15, 20 minutes away from Camp Randall. Um, did you maybe grow up a Badger fan or um, maybe go to games growing up? 
Yeah, um, Saturday Saturday Badger games have always been a pretty big part of my childhood. I didn't get I didn't get to go to everyone, but I've been to most of them. And so yeah, just just being being here in town, my my dad's dad has been a uh, Badgers fan. My dad's a Badgers fan, and he just passed it on to me. So I've always been a pretty big Badgers fan growing up. Makes sense, especially if you live in the area. Uh, you know, a lot of Big Ten West schools have, have offered you and have been recruiting you hard, including Wisconsin. Um, but what schools are kind of after you the hardest in your recruitment? Um, I would say outside of the schools that have offered me, I would say um, some of the some of the schools that I've been looking, looking to uh, talk to heavily is Ohio State, uh, Penn State, um, Notre Dame recently, uh, Nebraska was pretty good, pretty heavy school before uh, quarantine. I had a visit there set up, in fact, uh, Northwestern a little bit, but I kind of, we kind of, kind of ended the, the ties there, the relationship, so not so much anymore, but just mainly those, those schools reaching out. Yeah, that's certainly interesting to hear. You know, I, a lot of Big Ten schools, uh, of course, in this area, it seems like everyone's kind of hunting for these top-quality players like yourself. So not surprising that a lot of these other schools are, are getting after you for your for your talents that way. You're a ways away from making your decision, but do you have a timeline in mind about when you would ideally like to have that, or is it just kind of a, you know, when you know, you know type thing? Well, I would say it's one I know I know, but at the same time, the WIAA has a meeting tomorrow morning at 9, and that could be a pretty big piece of my decision because if we do end up changing our minds and having a season and getting it pushed back to spring, I would most likely wait to commit till after the season. But if we don't have a season, that could change some things on my timeline. So it's, it's really going to depend on what I find out tomorrow morning about if we're going to have a season for sure or not. That makes a lot of sense just because there are a lot of variables kind of up in the air right now for you. Um, in terms of a final decision, when it when it does come down, what are some of the key things that you're going to be looking for in your future school? Well, I would say, um, first of all and foremost, I think anybody just wants to make sure they're not just another number. and I want to make sure I'm valued at that school and they want me to play. And I would say um, I want to go to a school that can have the highest chance to to get me to the next level and that I know will set me up for success, not only if I were to go to the league, but outside of football for the rest of my life and my, my, um, my, what you call it, my college degree. So I just want to go to a school that's going to value my scholastics, education, my future and set me up for success in the future. So that's my biggest pieces. I think that's a great answer for you, Isaac. Um, I appreciate you coming on. We'll wrap it up here, but, uh, Thank you for joining us. It was uh, it was a pleasure to have you on, and uh, hopefully uh, we can get you and the uh, rest of the in-state six uh, in in Cardinal and White. We'll keep our fingers crossed, and I'm sure Badger fans will be excited if that day comes. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for having me tonight. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another week of the podcast. We'll be back with you next week on Wisconsin. <laughs>